Good morning. I am Apostle William B. Corrector, the presiding prelate of Discovered Being Ministry Incorporated. I'd like to welcome you to today's podcast where we will endeavor to get an understanding of certain things that God does allow. The first one is about natural disasters. The other is about trials and tribulations. Let us go before the throne of grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come today, we thank you for blessing us. We thank you, Lord God, for chastising us. We thank you, Lord God, for teaching us how to get closer to you through your loving spirit and the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, we come today to enhance the kingdom of God, to promote the gospel of Christ, to get an understanding, Lord God, for your word said wisdom is a principal thing. Get wisdom, but in all thy getting, get the understanding. And Father, we come today to get an understanding of why you allow certain things. And Father, now we bind the works of the flesh, the carnal mind, which is enmity against you, not subject to your law, and indeed cannot be. We bind every principality and every power, every ruler of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. But Father, we loose the host of angels that count all about us, that Lord God that will protect us unless we dash our feet against us. Father, we love you, and we will honor you, and we will praise your name. We ask you to grant us the blessings today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I stated, we are going to look at and answer some questions to a lot of people, including myself. Why does God allow natural disasters? Why does God allow earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, typhoons, cyclones, mudslides, wildfires, and other natural disasters. Tragedies cause many people to question God's goodness. It is a distressing, it is distressing that a natural disaster are often termed acts of God. While no credit is given to God for the years, decades, or even centuries of peaceful weather. God created the whole universe and the laws of nature. You find that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Most natural disasters are a result of these laws at work. Hurricanes, typhoons, and tornadoes are the results of divergent weather patterns colliding. Earthquakes are the result of the Earth's plate structure Shifting. Tsunamis is caused by an underwater earthquake. The Bible proclaims that Jesus Christ holds all nature together. You find that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Could God prevent natural disasters? Absolutely. Does God sometimes influence the weather? Yes. 
we see in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 17, and James chapter 5, verse 17, Numbers chapter 16, verse 30 through 34, shows us that God sometimes causes natural disasters as a judgment against sin. The book of Revelation describes many events which could definitely be described as a natural disaster. Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 8, and Revelation chapter 16. Every natural disaster punishment is from God. Is every natural punishment from God? Absolutely not. In much in the same way that God allows evil people to commit evil acts, God allows the earth to reflect the consequences sin has had on creation. Romans 8 verses 19 through 21 tells us, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For creation was subject detected to frustration, not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Oh, God, have mercy. The fall of humanity into sin had an effect on everything, including the world we inhabit. Everything in creation is subject to frustration and decay. Sin is the ultimate cause of natural disasters, just as it was, is the cause of death, disease, and suffering. We can understand why natural disasters occur. What we do not understand is why God allows them to occur. Why did God allow a tsunami to kill over 225,000 people in Asia? Why does God allow hurricanes to destroy homes of thousands of people? For one thing, such events shakes our confidence in this life and force us to think about eternity. Churches are usually filled after a disaster, disasters as people realize how tenuous their lives really are and how life can be taken away in an instant. What we do know is this, God is good. Many amazing miracles occurred during the course of these natural disasters that prevented even greater loss of life. Natural disasters caused millions of people to reverticate their priorities, reevaluate pardon me, their priorities in life. Hundreds of millions of dollars in aid is sent to help the people who are suffering. Christian ministries have the opportunity to help, minister, counsel, pray, and lead people to saving faith in Christ. God can, can and does bring great good out of terrible tragedies. 
Romans 8.28 All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. You know, we go throughout life. We don't really understand what is expected of us. Some of us know what we are supposed to do, but we are in disobedience and really don't care whether we come close to God or not. But sometimes God has a way of shaking you up and getting your attention. And I believe today that some of these natural disasters are to wake up all humanity, to let them know that you're not above God, that you don't control anything, that God is sovereign in any situation. Let us move on to the next segment. Why does God allow us to go through trials and tribulations? One of the most difficult parts of the Christian life is the fact that becoming a disciple of Christ does not make us immune to the life's trials and tribulation. Why would a good and loving God allow us to go through such things as death of a child, disease and injury to ourselves and our loved ones, financial hardships, worry and fear? Surely if he loved us, he would take all these things away from us. After all, doesn't doesn't loving us mean he wants us wants our lives to be easy and comfortable? Well, no, it doesn't. The Bible clearly teaches that God loves those who are his children, and he works all things together for good for us. Romans 8:20 is just stated. So that must mean that the trials and tribulations he allows in our lives are part of the working together of all things for good. Therefore, the believer, for the believer, all trials and tribulations must have a divine purpose. In all things, God's ultimate purpose for us is to grow more and more into the image of his son. Romans 8, verse 29. This is the goal of the Christian, and everything in life, including the trials and tribulations, is designed to enable us to reach that goal. It is a part of the process of sanctification, being set apart for God's purpose and fitted to live for his glory. The way trials accomplish this is explained in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perish, even through tests by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and the honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. What a statement. 
The true believer's faith will be made sure by the trials we experience so that we can rest in the knowledge that it is real and will last forever. Trials develop godly character. Wow, but I don't want to do that. And enables us to rejoice in our suffering because we know that the suffering produced perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And the hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 verses 3 and 5. Jesus Christ set a perfect example. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, good God body, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. These verses reflect Veal aspects of his divine purpose for both Jesus Christ's trials and tribulation and ours. Preserving proves faith. Persevering proves faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4 verses 1, verse 13, excuse me. However, we must be careful never to make excuses for our trials and tribulations if they were a result of our own wrongdoing. We always want to blame something on God. Oh, why did the Lord do this? Why did he do allow me, have me to go through this? No, sometimes we bring it on ourselves. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15. God will forgive our sins because the eternal punishment for them has been paid by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. However, we still have to suffer the natural consequences in this life for our sins and the bad choices. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But God uses even those sufferings to mold and shape us for his purpose and our ultimate good. Trials and tribulations come with both purpose and reward. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing, I'll say that again, hallelujah, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let in, and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will, be, will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, and verse 12. Through all of life's trials and tribulations, we have the victory. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not your name, not the position you hold, 
not where you're going, not your social status, not the amount of money you have, only through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Although we have, are in a spiritual battle, Satan has no authority over the believer in Christ. So he shoots out a masquerade. He's a liar. The father of all lies. If you don't believe that, read it in John chapter 8, verse 44. God has given us his word to guide us, his Holy Spirit to enable us, and privilege to of coming to him anywhere, anytime to pray about anything. Today, I pray that my sisters and brothers in Christ, God's children, and I'm going to say this not loosely, but a fact. We are all God's creation, but we are all not God's children. That is something we have to make the decision of. God draws us with his love. He's already drawn us with his love, what he said in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If that don't draw you, even the murderer, the adulterer, all those that commit sin. Sin is sin. There's no little sin. And there's no big sin. Sin is sin. And it comes through the lust of our hearts. For when we receive the lust, then sin is conceived. And when sin is finished, it will bring forth death. Spiritual death and eternal death. Think about it, my sisters and brothers. How God has brought you through, even if you're sitting somewhere in a nursing home or sitting somewhere outside listening to this podcast, your ears are open because God opened them. You're able to sit because God loves you and gave you the ability to use your limbs and continue to stay in this old raggedy body that we're in. But we got a glorious body coming. We got a glorious body coming, not made with hands. Lord, I thank you for what you have done for me because I was a sinner. Lord God, I realize that I have graduated from a slave to sin to a servant of God. And Lord, I ask that you will bless now those that have heard your word. It's not my word, it's your word, Lord God. And we thank you for giving it to us in the flesh, for the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you, Father. All those that are listening to this podcast, it is my prayer that you receive salvation and that you be filled with the Holy Ghost. God bless you.